Lecture 31, Richard Porter. They know him as John, John Porter, John Clark Porter, Jr., Clark's son, Mary Jane's son, Elizabeth's husband, that dad pacing the side of the field, Corky, Uncle Corky, opposing counsel, and a few others we probably shouldn't write down. But to me, he's Pop, Daddy-O, or other, if not unwelcome, at least confusing nicknames. And when I think of my Pop, here's what comes to mind. The laugh. Some of my earliest memories are watching Dad watch things and laugh. I remember Monty Python, Ferris Bueller, Ghostbusters, Sneakers, The Simpsons, and countless other comedies on the screen. If the writers and actors had done their job, he would act as a living censor that would alert the room in the most joyous way. Or I remember Franklin, Jenny, Alan, Max, Brian, or Mom recounting a shared memory or getting into some back and forth. I'd watch him, strong eye contact, smile primed on a hair trigger, suddenly giving way to generous, hearty laughter. It was atmosphere-altering laughter. He made movies funnier. He made stories better. He taught me how to enjoy humor and to do so more thoroughly. When I see some of those movies or shows he showed me as a child, I still hear the exact moment where he broke. I, in turn, laugh harder to this day. The Drives This man loves a good long drive. From what I've gathered is at least partially because many of his favorite conversations with his parents took place in a car on a sparsely populated highway somewhere between mile markers. I've been lucky enough to be a part of similar conversations with him. Whether we were solving the big problems, not quite, talking family history, or sharing ignorant opinions on the nature of what makes us who we are, I loved it. Or sometimes we just quietly took in the latest Great Courses series, Dad piping in with additional context or left out fact. Thinking of sitting shotgun next to him driving with hours ahead still puts a smile on my face. Side note, getting in the car and seeing his grin as he revealed which chunk of increasingly niche history we were about to experience will always make me laugh. What should we do first? The history of mammalian pets from early Mesopotamia or household textiles of the Icelandic Vikings? They are both supposed to be great. Recreationally, earning it. Yes, of course, all the usual cliches about how much more enjoyable a thing is when it comes as a result of hard work. And sure, I may have not really internalized that until later in life, but what did stick early on was how much more enjoyable time of leisure could be when you get after it during the day. One should return home all but panting from the day's activities to finally reap the rewards of effort. Wake, exert, indulge, repeat. Whether the day was filled with a good hike, tennis, golf, backyard football, running, a bike ride, or, dare I say, multiples from that list, just get the tank down to zero, then fill it up with good food, drink, and self-deprecating retelling of the day. Not everyone recreates like this, I would learn, but this will always be my chosen way. Golf. I am no golfer. In fact, to avoid any confusion, I answer the question, do you golf? With a head shake and the words, I own clubs. 
I say it with the confidence that makes the person asking doubt whether even that is true. Since golf is the national sport of the Republic of Retirement, I believe my dad's game has improved, so I won't drag him down to my level here. However, we have played some terrible golf together. Sure, we've had moments of success, even some miraculous shots, and once in a while, a hole or two that has gone our way. But when I tell you how little that matters, I mean it. We have had some of the best times playing mediocre to bad to atrocious golf. We've played courses that barely qualify to be called that. We've played courses so nice that at any point during the round, we expected to be asked to leave because clearly we were there by some mistake. Agreed. We've played on some of the most picture-perfect days and some nasty, gloomy ones. But when I tell you again how little any of that matters, I mean it again. We walk the course and laugh. We make fun of each other. We make fun of ourselves. We talk life. We talk absurdity. We scorn and thank the golf gods, often in the same breath. We say, nice shot, and try not to act too surprised when the other does something half-decent. We answer, often in unison, it was gorgeous out there, to the question, how did it go? You'll note the distinct absence of an actual answer in that answer. To enjoy a game that I am so thoroughly bad at takes great company, and I enjoy the hell out of it when we play. Work ethic. When I was younger, in darker moments, I would think I only ended up with the bad and none of the good when it comes to what was passed down from my father. I think of his work ethic, for example. I remember him on so many occasions working endlessly and tirelessly to complete a task, finish a project, achieve a goal. I remember thinking, I just don't know if I have that. But whether I have his work ethic or not, I don't. Witnessing it certainly stretched mine. If he was Roger Bannister breaking the five-minute mile for the first time, I may not have been one of the many to follow shortly thereafter, but knowing that it was possible certainly got my mile time down. Writing. I am not a writer. See above and below. And despite being long-winded, grammatically ignorant, limited in vocabulary, weak at self-editing, and unable to take on any persona other than this one, I like to write. And the seed of confidence was planted by my dad. When he read the paper I wrote for my creative writing class in high school titled How to Eat Spaghetti, he celebrated it as if it should have been chosen to represent humankind's literary achievements in one of those space capsules curated for extraterrestrial life. My paper about pasta next to the sheet music of Bach's concerto for two violins. Of course, in reality, I believe he just saw some promise and progress in it versus what came before. Regardless, it really stuck with me. I guess what I'm saying is... Blame him if you've been subjected to my prose at any point in the past, or present, like right now, I suppose. Biggest fan. For as long as I can remember, he has told me, I'm your biggest fan. At the end of fun, laughter-filled conversations, during sad goodbyes, after retellings of stories from the Porter Canon, and even after difficult talks, he has often closed with those words. And I can tell he means it. And though I know he is also the head of several other fan clubs, my brother, for example, no accounting for taste, it can really help me appreciate my life, what I have, 
and what I've been able to do. And since he enabled so much of it, he has figuratively and literally put his money where his mouth is. Dad, I wish you a truly happy birthday and beyond. These numbers can't be right, but let's use them as an excuse to scribble down a few stories and reasons we love you. Why not? I'm so grateful to have you for all you've allowed your family to do and for all the ways you've empowered us. And for all of the, excuse my language, shit you've put up with along the way. Love you, Pop. Big R.